Hello again, fight fans, and welcome to episode 296 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. Welcome to 2022, the first TNC of the new year, and happy new year to all of you out there in the boxing universe. This is TNC 296 for the week of January 15th. I am your host, Michael Montero, for Ring Magazine, the Ring digital YouTube channel where you're watching me right now, and ringtv.com, our glorious website, the best in the biz. Uh, you guys can see me holding up the 100-year anniversary issue. Tons of good stuff in this. Definitely a collector's item. Our new issue uh, about to drop, the March 2022 issue, that's going to have all of the year-end awards, the best of 2021. And a reminder to some of you guys out there that um, – the year-end awards, the best of, that is a democratic process, how all that stuff is chosen, right? So I don't necessarily agree with all of our winners. I may have picked a different fight, a different uh, fighter, whatever it is, for various awards. But it's a democratic process, just like our ratings. And um, so that, that is what it is, right? <clears throat> um, I've posted, I think, on my Twitter and stuff like that over the holidays who I think the best of 2021 was, and, and all that good stuff. If you guys want to talk about that today, we can. Uh, and in the coming weeks, we could talk about that too, because the schedule is kind of light, right? So uh, you guys may disagree with some of our winners. I disagree with some of our winners, but that's part of the, the beauty of this thing. We get to argue it out, right? All right. A um, couple of you guys already up in the chat. It's awesome. I want to just say Happy New Year to you guys once more. Uh, it's great to be back. It's funny, man. It's only been a few weeks, but it feels like it's been an eternity. Like I kind of forgot some of the steps as I was setting up here. I'm like, okay, I got to do this. I got to do that. It's like, shit, you, you kind of forget, man. Muscle memory. Uh, we'll start to kick in and then you're okay. Uh, before I get into news and notes, I want to share some super exciting news with you guys related to Crunk. I'm going to have a bunch of news with Crunk Jim throughout this year. Okay. I'm partnering up with those guys. Um, there's just a lot of exciting news uh, coming up in the April issue of the ring. I'll have a feature story there talking about uh, the new crunk gym that's uh, just outside of the city limits of Detroit right now and, and what they're doing. But crunk gear, a bunch of you guys have asked about this. You saw me tweet out uh, last month a picture of me in a, a red crunk muscle tee working out. And a lot of you guys are like, yo, where do I get that shit? So I told you, sit back and wait, because I'm working on getting a promo code for you. Well, I got it. So let me show you. I'm going to pull up the ring site here. Uh, this is crunksports.com, all right? K-R-O-N-K sports.com. If you go to their site, this is the official Crunk Gym in Detroit, Michigan site. You click on shop, you'll see the products. Now, right now, you only see a handful of products here, right? Uh, that's changing. They just ordered a bunch of stuff that's coming. In fact, let me read to you what they got coming. They got muscle shirts coming in red, the one you guys saw me with, but also white, gold, and blue. They got awesome-ass crunk gym bags. The crunk gym bags are dope, seriously. They've got small and large of the gym bags coming in. They got crunk jackets. The jackets are awesome. And then they got crunk baseball hats. They're working on getting some other stuff. So the crunk store is going to be updated here very soon. Now, 
when you guys see something that you want, okay, and first I, I need to mention this. Uh, you see the little note here on the website, purchases from other sites are not affiliated with crunk boxing and do not support youth. What is that? What does that mean? Well, you guys have seen there's a million different crunk quote unquote websites and, and social media profiles out there. They're all fake. Okay. The actual crunk gear from the actual crunk gym off the actual crunk site goes to support their youth development program, which is a big part of the article that I wrote that's coming up in the April issue of the ring. Um, there's a huge new youth development push at ring. So basically, I'm sorry, at crunk, they merged with an existing gym in Detroit that had this great youth development program uh, that was put on by Jeff Styers. He's a former fighter out of Detroit uh, turned businessman, extremely successful businessman started his own gym uh, just outside of Detroit where he grew up in the, the little town where he grew up uh, on the outskirts of town and uh, started this awesome youth development program. And the folks at old school crunk, wanted to be a part of that. So they basically merged and they're going to take this new gym is going to take the crunk name and they're going to take this brand really worldwide, but they're going to start here nationwide. There's going to be different branches of the gym coming to different parts of the country. And the focus is going to be youth development, starting with um, community service, with, of course, academics, uh, working with mentors, working with teachers before these kids even get into a boxing ring. Okay. It's so amazing. It's so cool. It's so inspiring. And it's so Detroit. I freaking love it. But all the money from the sales of the gear off the crunk site go to fund this program. Okay. So I'm going to make a hard push for this. Now, you guys know I don't do ads on this show, I don't do them. I've turned down multiple opportunities to do sponsorships on this show. If I ever share a product with you guys or anything, it's because I believe in it. It's because I use it. If I ever share a website or anything like that, it's because I believe in what the folks there are doing. Okay. Obviously, I'm a big believer in Crunk, not just for the, the historical significance and the fighters and all that, but specifically the youth development piece. It's so necessary. Maybe more now than ever in our country, but especially in a place like Detroit, but really all over the place. It's, but with everything going on with the pandemic, COVID, unemployment, record uh, record inflation right now, everything, right? This shit's important. So if you want to get some crunk gear, I'm going to show you what to do. Let's say you want to get the official training tee here, this yellow tee, right? Nice and handsome. You click on that, boom. You pick uh, what size you want, large. Okay, cool. When you go to when you go to pay or add to bag, so now you've put this in your 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 bag, right? So now you got this in your uh, bag, and you can check out and all that good stuff. Let's view our bag. There's a spot here for a coupon code. All you got to do is type in Montero. All right, apply coupon. Boom, coupon code applied successfully. You got your 10% off. Now, if you're ordering a ton of gear for you, your kids, your family, your friends, whatever, you might have two, $300 worth of stuff here. That 10% is going to come in handy, all right? All you got to do is type in my name, Montero. Boom, you get 10% off, all right? So this is an awesome deal that they're doing. Um, and, you know, when I was writing that piece and I was talking to, to John LePac, who, who's the new business manager of the new crunk, 
um, a Detroit guy, awesome, awesome freaking dude. You know, he was talking about crunk gear and stuff like that. And I was telling him, hey, man, before I start pushing this stuff and, and talking about it with my listeners, I'd like to get a discount code because I like to kind of do that as an introductory thing where you can get people uh, checking out the site. And they're working on getting the clothes. They're working on getting the new gear. You guys know there's supply chain issues right now. And we just got off the holidays and this whole COVID variant thing that's, you know, kind of got everything stalled. Okay. So the gear should be there by now. It's not their fault. All right. It's, it's out of their hands. There's a lot of supply chain stuff going on. So please be patient. But there's a ton of new awesome gear coming. But if you want some of that classic gear I just showed you guys on the site, you get 10% off. All you got to do is type in Montero. Boom. And you're helping kids. You're helping kids that need help. Pretty freaking awesome, right? So I just wanted to start the show with that. And we'll be talking a lot about that, of course. Uh, and as I, I've mentioned before, we're going to have folks from the Crunk Gym, um, different uh, people involved with it on the show this year. I, I'm just going to make a hard push because what they're doing is freaking awesome. And I can't wait to get up there. Uh, they're supposed to try to, they're trying to do an event up there in late March, maybe an amateur show or something like that, actually at the gym where some of the kids will fight. Maybe I can get up there for that. We'll have to see, depending on how some things go here with, with me and my wife and our work schedules and all that. If I can get up there, um, I'll share every, I'll share everything I can with you guys and maybe do some live videos from up there and everything um, here on our whether it's on Ring's channel or over on my personal channel, okay? So just keep that in the back of your mind, all right? And remember, if, if you want to grab some crunk gear, get the 10% off, man. 10% off is 10% off, right? Okay, uh, let's get into news and notes. A couple things to talk about real quick. Um, and then we got a little bit of things to review, a little bit to preview. Not a whole hell of a lot. It's not going to be a super loaded show. But uh, the schedule's off to a slow start. But hey, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but if you guys want to call in, give me about 20 minutes or so. We can chat a little bit and we'll, uh, we'll chop it up. All right. But uh, let's do these news and notes. Okay. So let's start off with some sad news. I just want to uh, give my condolences. We actually had a couple of um, deaths in the boxing community over the weekend. Um, I'll say rest in peace to Martin Card, who ran the Boxing Archive Twitter profile. Um, a lot of you guys followed that profile. I know I did. I interacted with him a lot. It was pretty awesome. He posted a bunch of uh, historical stuff from, from boxings, uh, wonderful, what rich, colorful history that we have. And he was very passionate about it. He ran that boxing archive Twitter profile for a long time, Martin Accard. And uh, he, he passed away over the weekend. So, so keep him in your thoughts, a member of the boxing Twitter universe. Uh, he also had other social media profiles, of course, but uh, Twitter is where I'm most active on, on boxing social. And that's where I interacted the most with him. Also, a boxer out of Russia, uh, Arrest Sakyan, died after uh, being in a coma, actually, for 10 days after suffering injuries in a fight uh, December 26th that he fought in, I believe over there in Russia, and was KO'd. Uh, he finally succumbed to his injuries and passed away. So I wanted to mention those uh, those deaths and just, you know, guys remember that, um, well, for fighters in the ring, obviously this is a very dangerous sport, but even for those of us who are just observers and fans, uh, weekend warriors, all of us, um, you know, guys like Martin who are just passionate about the sport, um, you know, life happens, right? We, we, we've all have had family members and friends and, uh, you know, pass away and, uh, things recently, you guys know my story, 
<clears throat> with my brother. So, so I just try to um, just mention this so you guys can keep these these folks and their their families uh, in your thoughts. Okay, all right. Um, Callum Johnson was set to face Joe Smith. Tweeted about this last week. Total buzzkill. He gets the COVID. He's got the Omicron, right? I guess everyone's getting the cron. Everyone's getting the cron. And basically, you, you sneeze a little bit and you're a little stuffed up for a few days. But apparently, they're canceling fights over it. I don't quite understand it. I know. Don't shit all down my throat. COVID bros, I get it. But let's be honest. This this variant doesn't seem to be anywhere near as deadly as previous variants. Uh, Callum Johnson, of course, is okay. But because of this, he is out of the fight with Joseph Jr., which I'll preview uh, Joe's fight. He's still fighting Saturday against the replacement opponent, uh, Steve Graffard. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I've never heard of him. So if I'm not pronouncing your name correctly, I apologize. But we'll we'll preview that later on. But, um, you know, obviously we wish Callum uh, the, the quick speedy recovery, which we know he'll have, the, like the other 99.99% of us. Okay, um, good news. Some fights coming. Well, actually, you know what? <laughs> This this is hot off the press. I just tweeted about this. There's another COVID delay. Uh, thankfully, they're doing the right thing and just delaying this fight because it's such a good matchup. Uh, Jose Pedraza, he got the the cron too. So um, his fight with uh, Jose Ramirez has been postponed to it was supposed to take place in February. It's getting pushed back to March 4th in Fresno, California, which is of course where Ramirez is from. So. Why does that weekend sound familiar? This is Friday, March 4th, because Saturday, March 5th, the best fight on the schedule in quarter one is taking place also in California, in San Diego, between Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez and Juan Francisco Estrada. Their third fight, the rubber match, is going to take place at the Pachanga Arena in San Diego. So March 4th in Northern California, March 5th in Southern California, two fantastic matchups. One's going to be on ESPN+. Plus, The other will be on DAZN. But uh, so they're both streaming fights. But um, yeah, I say it all the time, and people get really mad that ain't from that state. But California really does run boxing, really, really does. The two best fights on the schedule in the first quarter uh, make it a great weekend of boxing taking place in Killa Cali. All that being said, I'm glad I got the fuck out when I did. <laughs> uh, also, off the rumor mill, Canelo Alvarez. They're talking about him fighting Jamal Charlo, possibly, at 168. Now, <clears throat> would I like to see this fight? Of course. I'd love to see it. It'd be a fantastic fight. It'd be a quantum leap in opposition for Charlo, and it'd be an interesting style matchup for Canelo. Uh, Charlo would pose some interesting style issues for him. All that being said, I will believe it when I see it. I don't want to spend 20 minutes breaking down the possibility of this fight and, and how the fighters match up when it's possibly just a typical smoke and mirrors bait and switch bullshit that promoters do while negotiating the real fight behind the scenes, right? They use this smoke screen shit to get people talking on social and uh, they're really negotiating something completely different behind the scenes. So I don't want to talk too much about that. Obviously if it did happen at 168, I like that fight a lot. I think it'd be very, very entertaining for what it's worth. I think Caleb plant, also called out Jamal Charlo. And I got to say, I'd probably rather see Charlo and Plant fight because their, their their resumes are more comparable and they deserve each other more. Plant didn't deserve the Canelo fight, but he did and he, he got that fight. He lost. He got his big payday. Now Charlo wants his. Um, 
he knows Golovkin's not going to fight him this year. So I don't blame him for calling out Canelo and maybe they're really talking. Maybe they'll really do it. But all things being equal, I'd rather see Canelo fight. I've talked about this before. David Benavidez. I'd rather see him fight Dimitri Bevel. Any of the guys at light heavyweight. I'd rather see those fights. I'd rather see Charlo and Plant fight each other. Charlo and Andre fight each other. Right? That's the kind of fights I want to see. Because I'm old school like that. I want to see guys earn it. All right. Uh, let me jump over to the comments here before we get into the uh, review preview. Um, let's see what you guys are talking about. Oh, a couple of you guys asked about the code. It's just Montero. I see uh, Nacho got back on the chat. Um, what's up, Nacho? Yeah. So for those of you who are just getting on, if you go to crunksports.com, click on their shop, look at their merchandise. If you want to buy stuff and everything that you buy off Crunk's site goes to the youth development program. It's, it's, it's awesome. The work that they're doing with kids and you guys can read about that in my piece coming up in the April issue of the ring. Uh, and I'll be talking about it and having those guys on the show and all that good stuff. But, um, they they just ordered a bunch of new, new gear that's coming to the site. So in the coming weeks, go back there, check it out. But when you're checking out on the site, just type in Montero and apply uh, for a coupon code and boom, you get 10% off. All right. <clears throat> Captain Hook Chronicles said, uh, thanks for Martin. Great guy. Yes. Yeah. And I really enjoyed his profile. Really, really enjoyed his profile, man. He posted a lot of interesting stuff. Kobat Suda says, happy new year, Mike. Happy new year to you. Thank you very much. Twal says Canelo will eat Charlo for breakfast and still be hungry. Uh, yeah, even Chris, Chris Bergen, he says uh, easy work for Canelo. I hear you guys. I hear you, but Papa Chubby says the same thing. Canelo will smash him. I don't know, guys. I think that, look, man, Caleb Plant was competitive. I don't think he won more than two rounds, but he was at least competitive for the first half of the fight. I think Charlo would be too. Um, Charlo's a harder puncher, even though he comes, you know, he started at 54, even at 54, he was a harder puncher than plant is at 68. So, uh, definitely a more explosive, harder puncher. He'll at least be able to get some respect from Canelo. I, I think it's a competitive fight, at least through the first half, but yeah, in the second half, Canelo takes over likely goes the distance, but a possible late stoppage. Uh, I can see that happening too. <clears throat> so I don't know about this easy work thing. I don't know. I don't, I don't think the Charlos are easy work for anybody. Torian Fox says they should just do a PBC round robin for the right to fight Canelo. Yeah. Well, remember when Canelo was talking about fighting that cruiserweight fight and everyone was like, oh man, this is genius. Cause while he's doing that, their PBC is going to have a round robin. It's like, no, they're not. <laughs> they should, but they should have been doing that for five years now. Glenn from Australia on the chase says morning from Sydney, Australia. Happy new year. Awesome, brother. Good morning to you, and um, stay safe out there in Australia. Some crazy things going on in that country right now. Co says, do you think Bradis can KO Canelo? Yeah, probably. Uh, Bradis, Usyk, guys like that probably could. Uh, but do I think that uh, Macaboo and guys like that would? No, I just don't think so. Toreen says, Charlo power is sapped. He couldn't knock out Juan Montiel. Yeah, wasn't the best performance from him. But, you know, you can't judge a fighter based on one performance. That being said, Charlo's middleweight resume, not very good. Not very good, to, to put it 
mildly. Super chat pledge from Chris Berg. And thank you so much, my man. He says, uh, what do you think about Matchroom's cards in quarter one? So yeah, Matchroom Boxing uh, released their schedule, which is synonymous, I guess, with the zone. Um, I like some of them. Some of the matchups that people completely shit on, I think, are kind of underrated. But uh, none of them jumped out to me like, wow, this is outstanding. You know, like the best matchup, obviously, of the whole first quarter is the third fight between Gonzalez and Estrada. But, um, yeah, I, overall, it's decent. It, it, it's like some people were completely shitting all over it, saying it was absolute trash. It's not – honestly, uh, it's not really much worse than what the other promoters are putting out in the first quarter and the other platforms. So I wish, you know, let me see if I can pull it up on Twitter real quick. Cause I, they had a graphic. Um, let me see if I can pull, if I can't find it real quick, then I'll just move on. But I wanted to see, cause they, they did tweet out like a graphic of all their fights. Yeah. Let me just show this real quick. And of course, this isn't just match room. Oh, this is, uh, so Golden Boy announced their lineup. Let me share this real quick, and then I'll get to matchroom stuff. Uh, damn it. There we go. All right. Can you guys see this? Yes, you can. Okay. So Fargus versus Smith, Jacobs versus Ryder, Mungia versus Ballard. Ugh, these are okay matchups. Martinez and Warrington, too. That's interesting. Um, Wood and Conlin, I think will be fun because of the style matchup there, but obviously again, I, I mean, the, the prime, the, the premier attraction here is Estrada Chocolatito three. So this is Matchroom, Golden Boy and the zone. I like some of these, um, but like, I'm not salivating like, oh my God, this is amazing. But then again, everyone that was just shitting all over this, look, man, when, when Vargas and Smith fight. It's going to be competitive. When Jacobs and Ryder fight, that's probably going to be competitive too. The Mungia Ballard fight doesn't interest me that much because I think all Jaime Mungia's team is doing is kind of keeping him in a safe type of matchup right now while he sits back and waits on the bigger fish. Like I've been telling you guys, the Mungia's team really wants to fight Golovkin. And if Golovkin gets past Murata, the biggest money fight at 160. Don't shoot the messenger, but the biggest money fight at 160 would be Triple G Mungia because of the, the the money that the Mexican TV money and everything else that would come in. Globally, a fight between Golovkin and Mungia, which would be for two world titles, mind you, um, if if Golovkin beats Murata later this year, let, let's say around September or something, you know, Triple G and Mungia fight. That's a bigger fight than Triple G fighting Charlo or Triple G fighting Andre. Globally, maybe not in America, but globally, it is what it is. Don't shoot the messenger. So I think Mungia and his people are kind of waiting on that. <clears throat> so that's what I see with the Ballard fight. All right, let's jump into this review. So we actually had some fights over the holidays. I'm not going to spend too long talking about this, but PBC had that New Year's Day pay-per-view, which apparently sold about 20-something thousand pay-per-view buys. That's pretty much where I thought it would land. You think about, let's do the quick numbers. <laughs> what is it? Uh, it was what, $40 times 20,000? I guess maybe we'll say 25,000 to be friendly. I'm going to type this in the old calculator because I can't do math here right now. But if it was 
times 20 let's give it 25,000 40 times 25,000 that's a cool million okay and by the way half of that million goes to fox was it fox or showtime i can't even fucking remember but they get half of that so that's half a million dollars that was split between pretty much the main event got the most of that right but it was whacked up and then ticket sales were not very good so whew, that card had to lose money. Oh, that had to lose money because those heavyweights were making more than $100,000. I know at least Luis Ortiz was. He wasn't fighting for small money. And there was a lot of maybe foreign TV money that came into play and everything else. But whew, that's rough, man. That's rough. Anyway, Luis Ortiz, TKO6 win over Charles Martin. Ortiz was down twice before stopping Martin, which is crazy. Um, and I tweeted after... I think it was the, the day after. It might have been Sunday. Where I tweeted something to the effect of, you know, Charles Martin is Luis Ortiz's best win. And then I went down this whole thing and, and, and basically talked about how Ortiz is Deontay Wilder's best win. And he was beating him in their two fights before Wilder's power and Ortiz's age and lack of stamina bailed him out. And oh boy, did that trigger people. And also a lot of people liked it because it, it kind of went viral. It had hundreds of likes and retweets and all this, hundreds of thousands of impressions. But boy, did it trigger people. And I had a bunch of people calling me all sorts of nasty things. And oh my gosh. But also more than anything, a lot of people were saying, man, Bryant Jennings is Luis Ortiz's best win. Uh, for the record, I agree. I agree. And those of you who watch this show, you've always heard me say that, that Luis Ortiz's best win is Bryant Jennings coming off a loss, right? How many times have you guys heard me say that? Probably a thousand, because I love the repeat shit. But in the context of that tweet, why I'm, and I should have used better words, I get it, but why I mentioned Charles Martin is, first of all, it, it just happened, so it was relevant. But second, like it or not, Charles Martin is a former world title holder. So in terms of Luis Ortiz's biggest accomplishment on paper as a professional boxer, his best win in terms of the most accomplished opponent he defeated, Charles Martin is his best win in that regard. Now, I can't lay it all out in a tweet. You get you know, only a certain amount of characters, but you guys follow what I'm saying, right? In terms of head-to-head -head best fighter he beat, yes, Brian Jennings. Brian Jennings would beat Charles Martin. Would have beat him back then, would beat him now, okay? However, Charles Martin's a former world title holder. Charles Martin has made seven figures in this business, right? When he sold that title to uh, to, Matt, to Eddie Hearn and, and Anthony Joshua, it was how, how many million? Five million or something? He got a ridiculous amount of money to sell him that title and flop and, you know, give it up, you know, because, I mean, he got hit a few times, but it's not like he was really knocked out, right? He knew it was up, and he basically said, eh, I'm going to stay down for, for this, this second time because uh, I think it got dropped twice. But anyway, he is the most accomplished fighter that Luis Ortiz has defeated, technically speaking, as a professional fighter, and that's what I was hinting to in that tweet. And it was all just to kind of show you guys the round robin and the in-house protection program that they've kind of had going over at PBC in the heavyweight division. Now, it's made for some very fun fights. Deontay Wilder can't be in a shit fight. He's always in fun fights. I enjoy watching him fight. But him and all the guys that he fought, while there were these other heavyweights that I think were better on other sides of the street, 
yes, it made for some fun fights. And Wilder ultimately iced a lot of these guys, killed them with his right hand, highlight reel knockouts. But we were being told that this dude was the hardest puncher in, in boxing history and stuff like that. And I'm not going to go down that road for the millionth time. I'm just saying it's all relative. And Luis Ortiz, now maybe he's past his prime, okay? But even at his best, you know, uh, when he fought Deontay the first time and the, and the second time, he was beating him worse in the, in the rematch before he got knocked out, right? That version of Ortiz, if he fights Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, even Joseph Parker, even Dillian White, even the best version of Derek Chisora, and others, Alexander Povetkin, others I can keep going, even Kubra Pulev. Um, are you guys confident he whoops all those fighters? Are you confident he beats even half of them? I'm not. I'd favor more than half of those guys to beat Luis Ortiz on his best night. So yeah, yeah, some of them, yeah, I would favor Ortiz. Let me back up. But all in all, I, I'm just it's just putting things in perspective. All right, I'll stop talking about that. Also on this card, Frank Sanchez gets a unanimous decision win over Christian Hammer. Frank Sanchez is a skilled heavyweight, um, will pose a challenge to some guys stylistically, but I would rather watch paint dry than watch him fight. He's terribly boring I, for a heavyweight. And both him and Ortiz are Cuban, but boy, are they not from the same school. Luis Ortiz is entertaining. I enjoy watching him fight. Frank Sanchez, nah. I think I'd rather ro ro drive over a speed bump over and over, like drive over and then back up and just do that 80 times. I think I'd rather do that than watch Frank Sanchez fight. Also on this card, uh, Jonathan Rice beat Michael Kofi again. Uh, at one point, Michael Kofi, Coffee. a lot of people are looking at him as a potential um, a guy to keep an eye on in the heavyweight division. Not anymore, man. Not anymore. Jonathan Rice, what do you guys think about him versus Deontay Wilder? Should Deontay want to come back for a fight, let's say a farewell fight in his hometown of uh, Alabama? Or maybe, uh, I, don't, I don't know if he's from Birmingham. I know he's from, he's from Tuscaloosa. So, but the only city in Alabama is, is Birmingham, right? So if they did it in Birmingham, where I think he's fought before, Deontay Wilder and Jonathan Rice, how's that for matchmaking? I think that should be fun. And then uh, the most impressive win on this card was um, the lightweight kid, uh, Frank Martin, uh, proving the 15-0, 11 knockouts, TKO4 win over Romero Duno. And this was the, the prelims that were aired on Fox before the pay-per-view. So I just answered my own question from earlier when I couldn't remember if this was Fox or Showtime. Well, there, I just answered my own question. But uh, Martin, originally from Detroit, now fights out of Indianapolis. Uh, 2016 Golden Gloves champ at 141. Here's the thing, though. I don't want to get too excited, okay? I want to give Martin his credit. He stole the show. He owned the night. He was the most impressive fighter on both the prelims and the pay-per-view card. However, Romero Duno, he has been stopped in two of his last five bouts. Ryan Garcia iced this kid with one punch in the first round of their fight in 2019. The three wins he's had in between that Ryan Garcia loss and this loss to Martin were against very, very poor opposition. On BoxRec, they're like one-star opponents, okay? So let's keep this in perspective. Let, let's not jump the gun here. We're going to keep an eye on Frank Martin. He's interesting, but... Let's not get too crazy about this win over 
Romero Duno. And then uh, last Saturday, January 7th, there was a showbox card from Orlando, Florida. And Dominican Republic native Luis Reynaldo Nunez improved to 16-0 with a TKO 10 win over Puerto Rico's Carlos Arrieta. This is uh, a 10-round featherweight fight. And Arrieta from Puerto Rico. So you had uh, Dominican Republic versus Puerto Rico in the main. Okay, that is it with the review. Let's jump into the preview real quick. And then if you guys want to jump on the phones, go ahead and call in now. And let's review this, this fight card. Uh, Saturday, January 15th, top rank on ESPN. At the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York, uh, not too far from the International Boxing Hall of Fame, which should be renamed the American Boxing Hall of Fame. I really feel that way. It's not that international. It could be much more international and inclusive uh, with you know the, the, the global fight scene. But, um, you know, hey, that's just my opinion. Anyway, uh, Joe Smith Jr., 27 to 3, 32 years old, 6 feet tall, defending his WBO light heavyweight title against Miami native Steve Geffrard. 18 and two, 31 years old, six foot two. So in terms of their age and their size, these guys are comparable. In terms of their level of opposition, night and day difference. Uh, I will say this about Geffrard. I do think for a late replacement where they had not even a week, I think, because I think it was over the weekend we found out about Callum Johnson, right? So they had basically not even a week to put this together. So I do think top rank, they did a good job finding a replacement opponent and keeping this card afloat. And the thing with Gaffar, I looked him up, read a little bit about him. Trains with Ronnie Shields. That's a good thing, right? Ronnie Shields, one of the best trainers in America. Golden Boy Promotions fighter, began boxing at age 13. Uh, he won the 2010 USA National Amateur Championship. Also won the Golden Gloves and the PAL, the PAL League, that year. Uh, so that's pretty impressive stuff as, as an amateur. He lost his first two professional fights and actually was stopped in his first pro fight. However, he's won all 18 since. Sounds good, right? Yes. But if you look at who he's fought in those 18 fights, in fact, really all 20 of his pro fights, very, very weak opposition. I'm talking one, maybe two star opponents on box rack, which I think goes up to four or five stars with their matchups. So he's taking a huge leap in opposition against Smith, who's been in there with just about everybody in the division and won most of them. Even the fights he lost, he was competitive. The only fighter that's like soundly defeated him was Dimitri Bevel. So Smith coming off a close win over Maxim Vlasov last April. Uh, that, that decision was controversial. A lot of people thought that Vlasov may have won that fight. It was very, very close. He was scheduled to come back and fight in late October against Umar Salamov, but that fight was canceled due to him getting COVID. So here is the X factor. Smith is technically coming off of COVID. We've seen fighters come back from COVID, and I think this was before the Kron variant, right? This was the old school COVID, which is a lot stronger. And we've seen fighters come back from COVID uh, that didn't look very good in their first fight back. There's a million examples I could point to. In fact, some of these guys lost, you know, they were upset, but even the guys that won in showcase type matchups, uh, the showcase matchups were very competitive, more competitive than we thought they'd be. And these guys didn't look very good. 
So will that happen to Smith? Also, last-minute replacement. He was preparing for Callum Johnson. Now he's got this guy in there who's a complete uh, unknown factor. So with those X factors being thrown in here, it adds a little spice to the matchup. It's still not the style matchup we wanted between Smith and Johnson, which would have been a lot of fun. But I think, you know, it, it, do I expect Smith to go out there and just drill this guy in a round or two? No, I, I think there's it's, it's going to be a little more complicated than that. I'm still going to check it out. I'm still interested in this, this fight. So, and it's really all we got for, for the majority of this month anyway. <clears throat> I see Nacho in the chat says, laugh my ass off on Frank Sanchez. Yeah, man, Frank just skilled, but boy, is he hard to watch. Whew. I think I'd rather watch two midget fat fucks have sex on the side of the highway than watch Frank Sanchez fight. <clears throat> Yes, I just said that. Okay, let's go to the phones. <laughs> we have, uh, let's jump to, it looks like 570. I believe this is Thad. What's up, my man? How you doing? Hey, thanks, Mike. Hey, uh, it's great to have you back. It's great to talk boxing again. But, um, you know, after the fights over the New Year's, we really missed that golovkin Murata fight. Boy, that would have been yes. great right before yes. New Year's. And. I have to say this, that, that fight on New Year's with Ortiz, sure, it was a, a crappy matchup, and both these guys have zero punch resistance left. I mean, both guys are shot to shit. Mm-hmm. But that's great seeing boxing on a holiday. Yes. And the, the lead-up to New Year's with that car with Golovkin, I was looking forward to that. That would have been awesome because nobody really does anything on the holidays. You don't have much going on. It's a great time to really watch boxing. And I think that, you know, promoters should be onto something there. You know, get on the um, the holiday bandwagon and, and show some fights because you really don't have a lot going on, you know, yeah. besides college football. Yeah, so, I uh, agree. I, I thought it was a good idea. It just should have been on regular Fox. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> we saw the results. Two guys are shot, you know, shot fighters. Yeah, it's going to make a good fight. But I mean, come on, paying money for that? That's yeah. nuts. And, it, Here's something I want to talk about, you know, real quick about pay-per-view. You know, with the ring decks that, that happen in boxing, why can't there be uh, a fee that's taken out like the sanctioning bodies? Like, for instance, if they want to do something right by boxing, how about putting aside 5% of your sanctioning fees into a, a general slush fund that no one could tap into unless there's a fighter who happens to succumb to injuries? and or is debilitated and goes portion of that money goes to families, you know, of the mm. fighter, maybe gives some incentive for boxing fans to, to buy a fight instead of, you know, watching it with fire stick. Hmm. So that's just something I'd like to put out there. Maybe ring magazine could, could kind of, you know, put an article out there or whatever and, and put some pressure on these sanctioning bodies. Cause they're making a killing with all these stupid belts yeah. that they have clogging up the, uh, the reservoirs in boxing. So, um, here's something I, I spoke on before with, uh, Janabek being the mandatory for Andrade and Andrade is now pioneering to move up to 68 for a interim championship belt again versus Zach Parker, who Parker really hasn't had a name fight. You know, he's not the, the greatest of fighters. He's not Janabek, but we have Andrade looks like he's skipping out on his mandatory. Mm-hmm. And you know what? From a business standpoint, I have no problem with that. 
Okay. But I do have a problem with the fact that when he was crying to everybody about nobody wanting to fight him and he's his boogeyman, that guy's a hypocrite. He is a stone cold hypocrite. If he actually fought Jean Abac, I would give the guy credit win or win or lose. But it seems that he's not going to go that route. Now, it could change, and, I, and I'll eat my words because I've been wrong, but it looks like he's going to skip out on that fight, which would be a great prove-it fight versus a guy that just stopped Brandt and Endo, two fighters who had better resumes than anyone Andrade's ever fought. So I want to ask your opinion on that with him skipping out on his mandatory and what it looks like he's doing. I completely agree with you, man. I, I mean, now let me say this. If – if somehow, by miracle, Andre was able to negotiate a fight with Canelo Alvarez at next, okay, mm-hmm. no interim bullshit went right to it, yeah. then I would totally understand because he's going to make an amazing amount Naturally. of money and he's going to fight the top guy. But if he's right. going to skip out on the mandatory to fight for some interim shit belt at 68 to get in line for Canelo, yeah, dude, that's, yeah. that's just nonsense. Yeah. He are Canelo already told him to his face that he's a terrible fighter in yeah. the, uh, you know, that press conference. He told him to his face. Was that the plant Andrade, fight? If he, I think. I think yeah, it was, uh, no, it was the, I believe Joe Saunders. Oh yeah. He was like, get yeah, the fuck out of here, man. Get the fuck out of here, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was great, man. <laughs> that was the first time I heard Canelo speak English. I was yeah. like, man, this, that's great. I wish he did more. But, um, but yeah, he's conning everybody. You know, if you want to make a name for yourself, you want to force a guy's hand, you corner him and you fight the best and you prove that you're the best. Like Marvin Hagler did when he fought all those Philly fighters and, yep. you know, he made his way up the ranks, but Andrade, he wants the entitlement route. He wants the easy road. And, uh, and we're seeing it. So for all you Andrade fans, I know there's not probably a lot from your network, but um, the LDBC, well, you know, balls in your court. Now your guy's running, he's running, he's yellow. So that's, that's my opinion on that. And, one, one other thing I want to ask you, ESPN just came out with their pound for pound list. It, it was before, you know, they put it out before the Baturbia fight and he definitely probably will be at it when the, when they vote next time, but they have Tank Davis tied for 10th for a pound for pound list. This is ESPN. This isn't a Mickey Mouse outlet. Granted, they may be Mickey Mouse as far as, you know, their, what their attitude is and, and social and um, political views, but that's a travesty to boxing to have Tank Davis, a guy who's fighting more or less exhibitions, handpicking fighters from all different weight classes, okay, and avoiding the best fighters, not even fighting for real title belts, to be included in a top 10 pound for pound list. And one guy who knows better, or there's three, Tim Bradley, Andre Ward, and, and Teddy Atlas, for voting this guy on a pound for pound list. How dare you, okay? I would expect that from Andre. Um, Andre Ward, okay, he's got his political affiliations with Jay-Z. We all know that. But Teddy Atlas, what in the hell happened to you? Where did you, you know, get so stupid all of a sudden? I I can't believe that they're going to sully a list, okay, that's that magazine concocted in the early 80s and and say a guy like Tank Davis deserves to be on a pound-for-pound list. Give me a break. We should start naming pound for pound something else. It, it, it should be completely changed from here on out. Because it's, it's a total joke. Okay? It's an insult to boxing. And if you have this, 
going on where guys get entitlements, a participation award, I might say, when you're not fighting the best and skirting, you know, boxing and the fans by fighting dreadful competition and you're getting lauded, then that's going to motivate more people to do the same. And we can't have that because it's bad enough already. So I'd like to hear your opinion on that. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take off and, uh, you know, thanks for taking my call. All right. Thanks that. Thank you. Yeah, man. Um, ESPN, they are not a sports news platform. They ceased being that a while ago. And I understand that the E stands for entertainment, right? The E and ESPN. I, I get that. It's always been an entertainment focus. Sports is entertainment. But I think back to the ESPN of the 90s and even the early 2000s, it wasn't 10% as political as it is now. And it's not just the political woke stuff and all that that drives me nuts. Um, you guys know how I feel about that crap. <clears throat> but it's the the popularity contest stuff because they're they're – when you're a platform that big and you overpay people, I mean, they pay people seven figures at that network to talk about football, to talk about basketball. They have all these stupid mundane shows that they do all day long where it's just, you know, it, it's an old crotchety white guy and a couple young hit black guys and a really hot girl talking about whatever sport. And it's just hot take after hot take, right? And a nerdy white guy goes, oh, you guys are crazy. <laughs> and they all make fun of them. They just want something that's going to be tweetable. They want a little video clip that's going to go viral, right? That's all they're doing. And I think that having Gervonta Davis on their pound for pound list is kind of part of that. Um, I, Cause they probably have a couple other fighters on there. I wouldn't have on my top 10. It's, it's crazy. Everyone, if you feel, if your pound for pound list is the top 10 most engaging or exciting fighters to watch. Okay. Maybe, maybe you can make an argument for tank. He's he's fighting B and C level opposition, but most of the time he didn't in his last fight, but most of the time he blasts them out of there with these exciting knockouts and his, you know, gifs and, and JPEGs of his knockouts go viral on Twitter for a day, a few hours of a day. So fine. But I think what that is, is more or less of ESPN trying to tap into a certain community that Tank Davis is Tank Davis's niche audience is tied to. Uh, the hip hop community and in and, and sectors of the entertainment industry, particularly in Atlanta. Um, and they're trying to tap into that and hold on to that because that's, a, that's revenue for ESPN. That's, that's all that shit is. Nobody can, can deny no, nobody can, I'm sorry. Nobody can argue that Javante Davis is among the top 10 most accomplished fighters in the world right now. You, you can't argue that point because it's just not true. It's just not true. It's just crazy that anybody would have him rated in their top 10 as far as most accomplished fighters in the sport. Teddy Atlas, Teddy Atlas is, he's, I like Teddy. I really do. And I respect all the work he's done in boxing, but he figured out something a couple years ago when he left ESPN as a commentator and started doing this podcast where he talks about UFC and he, now he's really getting into that world and stuff. A lot of old former boxer guys are starting to kind of get into that world where they can still get some juice. Um, but he's kind of figured out how to tap into that, uh, clickbait type of thing. And that's what Teddy does. So all respect to him, but that's just what he's doing right now. Trey in the chat says big college football game tonight, Mike. Yes. And I'll watch it. 
Now, I'm not a huge college football guy, and I'm really mad at Georgia for beating the shit out of the Michigan Wolverines. I watched that game with my family while we were all chilling at my sister's house for the holidays. And uh, growing up, we were Michigan Wolverine fans. When we watched the, the Michigan versus Michigan State game every year, we we're always Wolverines, Michigan. Uh, although in basketball, sometimes I go Michigan State. I was weird. I was like Michigan State for basketball, Michigan for football. But anyway, Georgia beat the living shit out of them. And I live in Georgia now, so I'm going to root for Georgia tonight, even though I was mad at them a couple weeks ago. But they're saying that Georgia's going to lose tonight. That's the odds, right? Either way, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check it out, Trey. All right, back to the phones we go. Looks like we got an L.A. caller on. Let's see. 818, what's up? You're on the hey, show. Uh, hey, Mike. It's uh, Mike. I wanted to get your opinion on Ugas and Spence because I've heard it's being close to finalized. Reading on uh, Twitter, ESPN, their ringside uh, thing. And um, I can see this being very high risk for Spence. I mean, coming off the eye injury, of course. Um, I still have them by 10th, 11th round stoppage, but, um, you know, Ugas is very game. He's very, very game. I, I can't count him out. I mean, I have to pick uh, Spence by, a, I would say, a thin margin, a very thin margin. But, I mean, if Ugas wins, I could see this, you know, this whole Spence-Crawford thing, you know, the train derail on it. What would have, would have, should have been now, you know, is not going to happen. So I wanted your opinion, you know, how that fight would go. Um, you know, again, uh, Ugas being very game, he, he gave Porter a really, really tough match. And, you know, it was, it was close, but I still thought Porter won that one again. Yeah. I just want to get your opinion on that. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So that fight's going to happen. I've been telling everybody since last year, that fight's going to happen. Um, it, it makes sense, you know, to, to PBC's defense, it makes sense for them to do this because this unifies three of the four belts at welterweight. And, uh, why wouldn't you do that? If you have that option before putting Spence in there against Crawford, uh, wait him out even, you know, another year if you can and put him in there with Ugas first. Here's the thing about Ugas. He has lost four times. Okay. But he's never been stopped. I'm looking here. Three of his losses were split decisions. The only fight that he lost decisively clearly is when he fought uh, Amir Imam when he was an undefeated prospect. Yeah. And that's what everybody really got excited about Imam. So um, he, all of his fights have been close that he's lost, man. He's never been hurt. And I tend to think that Errol Spence's power is overrated. And I've actually been told that by guys who have sparred with him and other welterweights, that his power is not that explosive. Um, it's more of an accumulative kind of power. So, you know, the thing about Ugas, he's experienced, he's tall, he's long. Um, I think that fight's going the distance. Now, can Ugas I win a decision really against Spence? No, I don't think so. So, yeah, my, my, my last question I wanted to ask was about, uh, you know, women's boxing being put on, you know, notice now, Serrano versus Taylor. I, I, this fight's probably going to happen. Um, I wanted to ask you, is this the fight, is this the fight that puts women boxing on notice, or do we wait for a couple more of these, these you know, super fights for, for women's boxing to be, you know, gain traction for more audience, more viewers, and whatnot? I wanted to get your opinion on that. 
I think every time that you get a matchup like this, it's going to draw more women, or I'm sorry, more fans to women's boxing. So I agree with you that uh, Katie Taylor and Amanda Sarando are probably going to fight this year. I think the winner of that fight is the undisputed consensus pound for pound number one female fighter in the world. Uh, I don't clear it. I don't care what Clarissa Shields fans have to say. And um, I do think it's going to be a big event for women's boxing. Now, does this mean that suddenly women's boxing is going to be on par with men's boxing? No, you have to have fights yeah. like that consistently enough to get people interested. Um, so, so there's just not enough talent there yet. I will say though, man, I look at some of the amateur fights. I look at some of the girls coming up, particularly uh, at 140 and below, 147 and below. And there's more and more mm -hmm. talent coming. I mean, if women's boxing is here to stay and it is going to continue to grow, and I can tell you this also because I talk to people uh, that are heavily involved in the amateur, uh, the American amateur system, there are more and more promoters. And when I say promoter, I'm talking about like small regional club level promoters that are looking at putting women on their cards now than ever before. And there are there are uh, amateur tournaments and events that are catered specifically to women's boxing now. So you're going to see two elements of the American amateur system continue to grow, women's boxing and master's boxing. Those two sectors of the American amateur system are going to continue to grow in the next 10, 20 years. Well, that's all the questions I had, Mike. I, I appreciate it. You know, it's, it's great talking to you, and uh, I, I keep watching your show. So uh, take care, and uh, have a happy new year. Thank you. Same to you, brother. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I think um, Spence Ugas, you know, on, on the surface, I think a lot of people look at that and they think, you know, Spence is just a, a younger, you know, more, more explosive fighter and all these things. Yeah, but, you know, Ugas has never been stopped. He has been hurt. Uh, Sam in the chat says Ugas almost lost to Delorme and he got hurt against Ray Robinson. Okay, sure. But, you know, you're going to have off nights. I think that I would expect the best version of Ugas uh, in that fight against Spence. And I think that he'd have enough to probably last the distance. If Spence could get him out of there late, it wouldn't shock me. But I think that's a highly competitive fight. And you guys got to remember, I think it's like the last, I think it's three years. It might be two years. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it's either over the last two or three years, Spence has only fought once. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I really want to say it's over the last three years. Cause I think after the Porter fight, he had the accident, right? He didn't fight for a whole year until he fought Danny Garcia. And then he was supposed to fight Pacquiao last year, but of course the, the eye injury. So what is that? 2020, 2021. So, okay. It's about, it's a little over two years. He's only fought once, man. And, and, and so he hasn't been the most active guy. Ugas has, he's coming off that fight with Pacquiao where he fought. Well, he won. <clears throat> uh, so he's got to be beaming with confidence at this point. I like that matchup. Would I rather see Crawford and Spence fight? Yeah, but we all know that should ain't happening right away. Um, I will say this, if let's say Spence beats Ugas, there is no other fight he can fight after that than Terrence Crawford. So he's going to fight Ugas in the first half of this year. If he wins that fight, no more excuses. The fight between Spence and Crawford has to happen the second half 
of 2022. If it doesn't happen, it's a flat out duck. I don't want to hear nothing about no damn purse splits or any of this bullshit. There's no other fight at that point. There's just no other fight. Pacquiao's retired and he's, he's coming off a loss anyway. Don't give me that Keith Thurman bullshit. Like, like stop. It's gotta be Crawford. If he gets past Ugas. All right, guys, we have no more calls on the line and we have talked about pretty much everything going on right now. So we'll have a show on my channel Friday. All right. So the Friday wrap up is back this Friday at five o'clock. I'll see you guys then. In the meantime, remember, check out crunksports.com. If you buy any of their gear, use Montero, the discount code Montero to save 10%. All the proceeds go to the kids development program there, which is freaking awesome. All right, guys, I appreciate it. It's great to be back. Happy New Year. I'll see you at the fights. Peace.